You are tuned into the Fox Motorsport Supercars podcast, but just before kickoff, I'd love to alert you all about a brand new product on the Fox Sports Podcast Network, The Splash, hosted by myself, Phil Pryor. It's a short, sharp, Monday to Friday production, looking at the Fox Sports website's major headlines, stories, and part of the process too. Please search and subscribe. That's The Splash on iTunes and also Spotify now. Thanks for your attention. Now time for the show. This is the Fox Motorsports Supercars Podcast with your host, the Pit Lane Rogue. Welcome to the post-Adelaide Fox Sports Motorsports Supercar Podcast. I'm your host, the Pit Lane Rogue, and today we have Will Dale from foxsports.com.au. Afternoon, Will. Hello, hello. Uh, Lewis Isaacs, freelance motoring journalist. Ahoy. And our, <laughs> our mate, who is second in the championship on the, as you look at the leaderboard, Erebus second, David Reynolds, welcome. Morning, afternoon, whatever. <laughs> Morning, cool, afternoon, man. whatever. Um, it's, uh, I, I, Adelaide was a fantastic event, and, and Dave, how was it for you? Let's, let's talk about your, uh, your weekend, because you had a fairly good weekend. At Adelaide? Uh, yeah, surprised myself. Very, very surprised. I actually, to be honest, I never actually thought I'd do any well there for some reason. I've been going there for eight years and, you know, I think my best position was like a fifth in that weird one that Kirkat won and anyway, it doesn't matter. But yeah, to have a fast car and qualify fourth both days and finish fourth and second and have a chance at winning and stuff it up completely, I'm relatively happy. But right. also a bit early disappointed at the same time. Well, it's. I was going to say because you had really good car pace across the weekend, and um, you know, especially on the Sunday where you, you know, you bobbed out first, and uh, you know, unfortunately, you know, uh, SVG kind of snuck past you at uh, at turn nine. Um, yeah. There's been a lot kind of said about that. Are you kind of beating beating yourself up about it? Uh, you know, uh, you know, Al McVeigh said you need more confidence and everything, but it must give you actual confidence boost knowing that you hadn't done well at Adelaide and then to come out and grab a podium is a fairly good result. Yeah, exactly. Um, it does give us pretty good confidence for the rest of the year because you know, if, we, if we look at racing in a retrospectively way, which I always do, in the last four races, I probably should have won three even if I played my cards right. Yep. It didn't go wrong for me. So, you know, it's looking really good for the rest of the year. But at, at that last race, I probably learnt more about myself just in that one race than I have in like 10 years of racing. Really? How so? Well, just, I just need to believe in myself. That's the whole, that's the whole key. No, I believe, but I just never, I should believe no matter the circumstance or the position I get left in. Well, I was going to say, like, it was a fairly... That's a valuable lesson. Very well... valuable lesson for you kids. <laughs> for everyone listening at home. Oh, thanks, brother. I believe in your journalistic skill to <laughs> that word. I've got one does. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're you're a Bathurst winner, so that you know you you should have a fair fair amount of confidence, and that you can get the jobs done, even if it is a you know at a track that you haven't done well at as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I suppose you're correct, but Bathurst is one of those ones that a lot of stuff happens over the long day. And yeah, I, I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying now. I'm just repeating myself. That's all right. That, that must have been all Luke that weekend. It must have been a what, sorry? 
all Luke that weekend, man. Yeah, well, yeah, 100% all Gildan. That was all his race. I just had nothing to do with it. No, but, like, it's, it's you know, you gauge your your uh, confidence on past performances. So if you, you know, generally if I rock to Adelaide, I'm, I'm in a little bit of a negative thought because I go, oh, I've never done well here. Um, haven't won a Porsche race or a CBS race or any kind of race before, so... Like, and, then, and then you go drive the track exactly the same way as you always have, but you just fix your car and then you get the result out of it. It's kind of a... It's just the way, just the, way the sport is. But so like, regardless of where my... You know, when I've got my car in the window, I should still believe that I can win. Well, exactly. Because that's why I say it was the best, best ever medicine I've ever given to myself. Uh, I, I thought it was kind of interesting that they crossed to Barry in the pits and he mentioned that if you guys finish fifth every race this year, you can... With the yeah, and, and I guess, you know, you're sitting next to Rick in the car right now, and that's exactly what he did when he won his championship. It was a, <laughs> you know, a, a year-long battle. Yeah. So I, I thought that was kind of um, a telling moment that, you know, people have given you a bit of for um, letting SVG through, but truth be told, you're second in the championship, and you've probably set yourself up pretty well for um, you know, a tilt this year, which is kind of unheard of. You know, eighteen to two. You know, twenty-four months ago for Erebus. Well, exactly right. Like if you look at our when we when we turned up to Adelaide, two thousand sixteen, two years ago, we, we struggled to make the race. Just actually making it was a big achievement mm. for us. And then you know, one o'clock forward two years later, and have a chance of winning it. Um, yeah, it's a massive. You know, I'm so proud of everyone that's been involved in it to, where, to get to where we are now. It's crazy. Now, full disclosure for everyone that's listening, you're currently on the way to a Snap-on Tools function with uh, in a car with Rick Kelly and, and Anton Di Pasquale. Uh, yeah, yeah. Full full props to Anton, who was the quickest of the or the fastest of the rookies across the weekend. Um, yeah, he he showed some good pace. Yeah, Anton did a good job for us. What's that pace? Overall, fifteenth or something. Yeah, fifteenth. He's equal fifteenth with a seven-time champion. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I saw no, him. He did a good job. He just um, plod along. We found some stuff wrong with his car after the race, so you know, he should have been probably a little bit stronger. So no, he did a good job. Stayed off the wall, didn't crash into anyone. Just get through the first round, which he's supposed to do. Mm-hmm. I saw him in the paddock afterwards after that first 250k race, and he looked like he looked like he just hopped out of a meeting room or hopped out of the air conditioning. He looked fresh <laughs> and ready to go. Like. <laughs> You're not meant to look like yeah, that no, as a rookie. Um, well, like the first day, well, both days weren't particularly hot. So, um, and we've done a lot of work to our car to ensure that you know it disperses the heat a bit better, and we look after the drivers a bit better. And of course, it's working fine and stuff, so it makes a big difference. Well, I know how hard he, how easy he's got. <laughs> when I first started, like I lost my first race was like 2009, I think, and it was super, super hot. Is when they first switched over to the E85 and the exhaust, exhaust gas temperatures burn a lot hotter. Um, uh, we were all struggling like buggery. We were absolutely stuck at the end of the day. It was oh. crazy. I lost like five and a half kilos of fluid and oh, I was dead. Well, I was going to say, while you're, while you're in the car with him, you could ask him how he, how he felt after the, after the race, for his first race oh, weekend. Yeah, Brand new. 
<laughs> like he could go around again. <laughs> um, I, there was a, a couple of big name shockers across, across the weekend, boys, especially. Some big crashes, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, Wink Up put into the wall at turn eight on Friday, and then. Um, then it came back to bite him again on Sunday with yeah. the with the um, fitting issue on the gearbox transaxle cooler. Yeah, because that car that car looked quick, like it was it was properly out out uh, beating SVG's car, mm. which didn't look that that good. So. And then SVG takes the race, takes the double race win again. So, and then McLaughlin as well having a shocker, which was fortunate for SVG because he ran over the same bolt that went under McLaughlin, McLaughlin's car, and uh, and caused all that drama. Well, I guess with SVG, like that's the kind of luck you need on the way to a title. Like the key guys from last year's battle, as you said, McLaughlin copped a puncture, win cup. Wincup's now 198 points behind him after just one round. I mean, with two races in, so like it's not I'm not saying the title's over for Jamie Wincup or anything silly like that. But you know, those are the little things that you need to go your way if you're trying to win a title. Yeah, what it's very you... similar to last year, though, isn't it? You know, SVG running away, Scott having problems, etc. But you know, you look at how it ended, and um, Shane wasn't really in the picture, so. It's certainly a long way to go. Yeah. It's, I think um, it's going to be a bit different, though, this year. Not so... You know, I think the cars are a bit more even up the front. Instead of uh, that Ford having a bit of an advantage on everyone, I think it's going to be a bit more evened up this year. Well, it's, it's funny... You, you, you mean swung in Holden's favour? Yeah, just, just even. Well, I was, was going to say, it's funny it's, you mentioned... It's going that. off by the qualifying times, like, you know. Um, they're very close. Sunday, I think it was like a tiny, tiny margin. Yeah. Yeah, McLaughlin was provisional pole on the Sunday. Yeah. Yes. It's very, very close though in qualifying. And that, I mean, that ugly P word, six letter P word, bobbed up again. The all the Ford teams screaming about parody. Parody. Yeah. Oh yeah, always, always, everyone knows about it. So, what's your take on all that, Dave? I mean, you've driven. You drove the you drove the VF last year. You've driven an FGX. You're driving the new ZB this year. Like, is is there anything really in it? Like, is is do they have the oh, four teams have a legit yeah, drive? Always, you know, every time you build a new car, it's, you, you try and make it better than that last that you know, the, the last car, the predecessor car. So that's the whole idea. But the, the category has to do a good job of managing it. Prioritising it and making it the same as what it was. It's, for, for me as a driver, it's, it's honestly it feels identical to the car last year. I was expecting like a real, like I said before, like a really big um, error advantage from like when we went from the FG to the FGF, so a noticeable performance gain and handling driver feedback gain. And I was expecting that sort of gain from down from the, uh, VF to ZB, and there wasn't. I guess, like you said, Dave. Like at the end of the day, you look at the lap times. There's a Ford up there. There's a Holden up there. There's a few Fords up there. There's a few Holdens up there. There's a few Nissans up there in Adelaide as well. Like, yeah. 
you've it's like Largo said in the coverage, you've just got to look at the trend over a few races and if there is a trend that does start to show itself where it's a few different Holdens as opposed to Holdens from one team that are edging ahead, then maybe it's something to look at, but until such time, like we, yeah, we can't have parity. We have a few more races on the way, it's hard to sort of mm. Like, mm. jump up and down about it. Well, let's let's talk about the Nissans because they were there or thereabouts on the weekend, you know, in their normalish position. If only there was someone who could talk to a Nissan driver that was close and ask him what went on. Dave, is there anyone there that from Nissan that you know that could find out what happened? What do I mean to ask him? Well, I just asked him how the, how they went on the weekend. Well, was he happy with their performance? He said it was good to get away from home. Okay, cool. Rick Kelly, excited to be in Adelaide. Fantastic. Saturday did, Sunday didn't, because you had uh, Caruso and Heimgartner in the 10. Yeah. And um, Heimgartner jumped the curb at turn one and, and got a curb strike, so. That was, which was interesting. I don't know how his lap was going to end up. Well, that was interesting because. That, that's actually a bigger issue, I think. Yeah, agreed. Let, let's talk about the curb hopping. Because there were a lot of images posted to social media straight after the shootout that showed where Heimgartner's car was across the curbs when he topped the curb strike and showed where Jamie Wincup was. Exactly, yeah. And that was Jamie something... Jamie was... Like, if I was to do that the whole time, I'd, I'd be done 100% sure. Well, you were the guy... I don't know. You were the they guy... Must, who... They must muck with the Dorian or something or, like, I don't know, leave it not on charge overnight so it doesn't read as well or <laughs> they could be doing something. Because, yeah, that's a clear violation of the rules. Yeah. I got away with it. Well, Frosty was saying... Because throughout... we, rely, we rely on such a technology. It should be judge of fact and technology as well. Well, that's exactly what Frosty was saying at the end of the race. I mean, you, he was the guy who copped the, copped the rough end of the stick during the races yeah. this year, you were the guy who copped it last year. From memory, you were taken out of a pretty decent position on one of the days with a curb strike penalty. Like, what would you yeah. what would you like to see? Like, is it as simple as that? Just putting a judge of fact there to watch each car go through it and say, "Hey, no, that 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 requires a, a lot of effort. Yeah, there, there must be an easier way." And they spoke about some sort of positioning system, or you just make the curve big big enough that you yeah. can't actually use it. And end up like a jump. But that will ruin all the cars. So I'll just just yeah. like think of what we and see what happens. I know that um, Ingle and either and, enforce your rules or just don't have them. Yeah, well, exactly, and that's what they they did that at Gold Coast a couple of years ago. Where they got so frustrated they just turned it off. Got a lap record. I know. Right? That was the best race of our life. <laughs> <laughs> it was the most fun we had in a, in a supercar in years. Yeah, well, I know. I know. Um, Russell Ingle was very outspoken on the the curb issue. Especially on supercars track side. On supercars track side, yes. Um, <laughs> on that, <laughs> yeah, um, he was very vocal on, on wanting to talk about that, and you know how the there was a lot of injustice in the system that we've got, and we should investigate having a look at some newer systems that are available to some other categories uh, to stop this once yeah. and for all, or build the curbs up, or put something in other to stop that. Does anyone else remember the year that the, they had the bollard at the Apex and it just got beaten to death within about oh, 20 laps? Man, they didn't last long at all. No. But yeah, they, they need to come up with something a bit better. It's just... It's, um, it's too obvious. 
It borders on farcical. Well, the thing is, it's not just Adelaide where this or Gold Coast, for that matter, where track limits are an issue. You look at where we head to next at Albert Park. Scott McLaughlin lost a qualifying time in one of the sessions last year due to running, I think, using too much road on the exit of 12, the far chicane bit up the back. And that dumped him to the back. Yeah, that dumped him to the back of the grid. That happens, and if that happens to one of the key contenders, well, not this weekend, but when we head, when we head to Melbourne, now that there's points up for grabs, that's a big deal. So you don't want to be making calls like that with a system that has a question mark over it. No, you don't. <laughs> I'll answer. Long pause. No, no, you don't. You need something that's that's either it, it's it's either in or it's out. Thank you, Larry Perkins. I'm just, you know, yeah. Lewis, what do you reckon? Uh, that's just, you know, there's, there's plenty of solutions out there, but I think the technical team at Supercars has had quite a bit on their plate, um, you know, in recent times with the, the introduction of Super Utes, the, the ZB, uh, working on Gen 2 and whatnot, and this is just another thing that they've got to kind of address. So, you know, my understanding is that they do their best with what they've got, and, and this is a solution that, had its upsides and, and worked, you know, to a degree for some time, so that's what there is. But I've no doubt they're probably investigating something for the future as well. Um, yeah, the judge of fact option is probably the best one in conjunction with the timing routes because there were a few um, people getting questionable. Yeah. Yeah, they probably should have done that. It would have been smart just going, no, that's a clear violation, curb mm. strike, and then everyone would have been, oh, that's fair enough. Yeah. Isn't the way the, the, the rules set out that you know the stewards give you a certain amount per race and they won't tell you what it is and then yes. start counting down? So if you're doing a judge of fact, it, it's quite a, a lot of work. You're going to need 26 stewards out there watching each car go over the curves. You know, cause it could be a super high number, it could be a, a, a low one as well. You know, no one really knows. So um, yes, it, it's quite a bit of work to administering it. Um, you know, it, it's easy as, as they make it sound. You know, have a judge of fact, but farcical on the, on, across the Adelaide 500 weekend was the amount of time that it took stewards to deliberate on the SVG top 10 shootout lap whether he was in or out see the was thing with the thing with that he was clearly out like, yes, that, that didn't take any deliberation out. the problem was Red Bull or Triple Eight, as I understand it then said to the stewards well you kind of need to go back and look at everyone else's laps and see yeah. whether they were or not and that's what that's what the extent of the delay was. So it was nine out of ten. Was I, am I right in that? It was Something a, like it. Yeah, maybe it was a high number. I know that. But the amount of time that that took was farcical because it was a good couple of hours. Oh yeah, 
And it's, it was great fun wandering around the paddock looking to find out what was going on. Because yeah, no one knew what was Got going quite on. Quite the tan. Yeah. Anyway, those sort of things should be should should be wrapped up quite quickly, I would think. There's several punters on social media said they were able to decide the championship within about 45 seconds last year. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But yeah. the way they rationalised it was he didn't gain any time advantage. Yeah. And then what was the racing line for the next day? Everyone used that curb. Yeah. Yeah. Because it, it was faster. Yeah, because yeah, it was a free-for-all. Yeah. Yeah, it was just it was just interesting to me being around the paddock and just having this long deliberation process and it's like there's no there was no feedback throughout it was just like we're still deliberating still deliberating still deliberating everyone's there and then eventually we got a result and you're like Ugh. Mark Dutton comes bounding through the paddock with a smile on his face and you know and you know Shane's going to start on pole yeah <laughs> there's your answer yeah so I mean he was really unstoppable across that weekend getting the the double. Mm. Good form there from last year. What do you think it is about SVG and Ad- the Adelaide circuit that just clicks? He's probably been bored for the off season, you know, just get, getting all the enthusiasm out. Yep. I don't know. I don't know. Just drives the track well. That's a good car. Yeah. Sets it up well. Drives it well. It requires a lot of confidence that track. As a driver, you need to be extremely confident in your ability and the car's ability to go around there fast. So. Mm-hmm. All right, Dave, I think it's about time for you to get to your appearance, so we will see you at the next round at the Grand Prix. And, boys, let's let's talk about a couple of uh, of the other teams that have gone, that went quite well at Adelaide, especially Walkinshaw. You mean the one that's at the top of the championship table as we speak? That that was kind of unexpected, wasn't it? It is, yeah. Was it, though? I, I feel like Cassandra here. There was a lost episode of this podcast where I suggested they go all right and, and now they're number one yeah <laughs> we do we do in fact as as you say lewis we do actually have the audio of this lost podcast of ours where due to a technical issue only half the audio channels were recorded unfortunately one of them was yours so we'll you, definitely you do that out but it was great to see them there um and they had you know the michael andretti there so there was a a proper showing from the from the new ish venture I guess you'd call it um, yep. and JC always does well there but yeah. I guess you can kind of look at someone like Scott Pye for an indicator of where they are and, and you know his performance is also an improvement on where they were ending up towards the end of last year as well so that's a pretty big leap forward um, and I guess they're going to hope they can do it again at the GP and Tassie which are some pretty different tracks but that, that, that was a positive start I thought for, the, for their outfit well, Probably the most promising thing that was what JC was saying on the Sunday afternoon that finally, for the first time in eight years, the car's actually doing something different. It's handling different with the changes that they've made. Instead of a car that was quite nervous on turn-in, which was great on a street circuit, but terrible when you're trying to tip it into longer corners at some of the more permanent tracks. With the new ZB Aero, he was saying that the car's a lot more stable on turn-in, and that's, that's what one of the like he was able to drive the car. The car still had pace, but he was able to achieve that pace a lot more consistently. And that perhaps with last year's car, he wouldn't have been able to hold off Craig Lowndes in those closing laps in race two, like he did on Sunday. So that's, yeah, that's the, G, the, the GP will be the biggest test for them. Um, yeah. To see if they actually come back or not. But yeah, it was, it, it's 
nice to see them kind of return to four. Or fourth team up there. Yeah. Yeah, well, we need, a, big we need four. Yeah. yeah, we need the, the big four to be firing. Um, and it's, uh, yeah, I, it was interesting for me to see the, the pace of both those cars, especially when Courtney and, uh, and Pi had a little bit of a rubbing. Oh, it wasn't that good. Together, I thought, oh, gee, these, these, these Walkinshaw cars can always find themselves. <laughs> it, used to be the, it used to be the running joke that the Shell cars always used to find themselves. But it seems like it's now rubbed off into the Walkinshaw cars, so. I guess that means they're on an even performance too and actually meeting each other on the track, so it's yeah. not all bad. Yeah. So, it's, uh, yeah, I, I, look, I, I really want them to succeed for the rest of the year and it, it's interesting to to me to see where they will end up for the rest of the year and what they've, uh, supposedly what they've found. Well, they're currently 2-0 yeah. up yeah. head-to-head against Pen- DJR Team Penske, which, um, which Michael Andretti was very pleased about on I'm Sunday sure afternoon. I'm sure he was. And, uh, you know, is Zach Brown in town for the next round? Um, it's, that was a nice sentence. I don't know. Yeah. I, I thought, yeah. Um, you know, they're kind of going to show their muscle and, you know, no doubt there'll be some, some good conversations and uh, going on uh, there at, at Walkinshaw to, uh, to make sure that they go faster still and see what Zach can, you know, and the United Autosport guys can bring to the team. Yes. No, that's all right. I was anyway. Um, so, so the, the team's championship is really Walkinshaw and Ready United on top. Triple Eight next. Tickford, then Erebus, then DJR Team Penske. I mean, DJR Team Penske, an absolute shocker by their own standards at uh, at Adelaide, especially Fabian, who kind of looked off the pace all weekend. I just they those cars were not in the setup window on Friday when mm. they rolled out. That's something. That's a point McLaughlin made at the end of the weekend and they were just playing catch up the whole time and for at least from appearances it didn't look like Coulthard's ever got in the window like he that said on the Saturday his weekend probably would have looked a bit different if he'd been able to finish his qualifying lap sorry on the Friday afternoon when Wincup found the fence at turn eight because that would have at least given him a top 10 uh, start probably high in the top 10 because Fabs is normally quite good around Adelaide Mm. and yeah he just in terms of a race car he just didn't have the pace in a race situation to be able to move his way forward. Well, I don't know. It's... Yeah, I, uh, I, was say, I actually thought Scott did a great job on Sunday after the um, the puncture to recover to mm. wherever it was he finished because there was no safety cards for him to catch up. So he had to do that all on pace. And um, you know, it, it proved to me that they were still, well, he's kind of ridiculous, one of the quickest ones out there. Um, I think it was more Fabian that masked the performance of that team because he was, Nowhere all weekend, uh, nowhere qualifying, nowhere in the races. Um, so you know, if you only got one car competing, you're not going to look that great in the in the team's championship after one round, are you? Indeed, it's funny, it's funny you talk about Scotty's pace. You're right; that was an, a really impressive stint. And he asked Ludo in the closing laps if he could go for a lap time on the final lap if he had enough fuel to do so, because he was also fuel saving throughout that entire final stint. And um, yeah, Ludo turned I, I, him down. I, 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 <laughs> I think that's been kind of masked by everyone talking about SVG and Davey and, um, you know, Gus Hander getting a podium and the like. But, yeah, Scott was still quick. And mm. they've had, you know, um, you know to readjust these, these older tyres again. And Scott and Ludo uh, weren't working together when they when they last raced on those. So um, they've had a bit of, bit of learning to do in the off-season. But, yeah, that's still in particular. 
I thought was one of the most impressive of the race. Um, it just didn't garner the, the attention of the, the guys at the front. Well, Coulthard having his new engineer and Mark Fenning there as well, I don't know whether they've, you know, quite worked each other out yet with the departure of Phil Keed. So, you know, maybe there's still a little bit of communication that needs to be fixed up there so they can, you know, be on the same page. Yeah, potentially. I think someone like Fabian, you know, Adelaide normally goes pretty well. So mm. that, 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 that's a potential explanation for that, for that change. But... Um, you know, I've said before, you know, towards the end of last year, he couldn't match Scott on pace anyway. So, um, yeah, it didn't surprise me to see him behind him, but to see him that far down, yeah, kind of indicated that there's perhaps something else. Well, we look, look looking forward to the next round. So we go to go from uh, Adelaide to the to the Grand Prix. Last year, it was it was an all Falcon, like all Falcon winners circle. So it was Mostert. McLaughlin won two, Coulthard won the other. They've really got to lift, it's those guys who have got to lift their game to resurrect their, you know, their championship battle after, I mean, I mean, yes, SVG won last year and then, you know, Grand Prix was a turning point for, for the Penske guys and they went on the, that tear, that ridiculous tear all the way through the middle of the season. If they've got a, an, if the ZB has that much of an advantage, this is where they kind of need to turn it around. Well, the thing is, Albert Park has traditionally been that place where that sort of illustrates how the rest of the championship's going to go. Yeah. You remember back to 2015, this was where the team now known as Tickford Racing unlo- unlocked the secrets of the FGX, and that's where their steamroller started. Yeah. Um, although Shane won... Oh, sorry, correct, correction. After the sort of varied results of Clipsal in 2016, Triple Eight turned up to... Albert Park and just wiped the floor with everyone. Yeah. And you then saw that happen in the back end of, or in the back end of that championship and then again last year, like you said. So it'll be fascinating to see whether the form from Adelaide continues through and the two Red Bull cars are the quickest. Mm. It's a completely different track. Um, I think my concern is that a few years ago you had drivers complaining of putting on a boring show under the old tyres and the old formats. Uh, I think it was class Tanner in particular was pretty um, pretty overt in, in, in apologising for calling the, the races boring. So we've, we've reverted back to that old tyre um, for this year. So hopefully the format that they've changed will um, entice some, some proper racing there and the strategy can kind of come into it again. But I know um, in 20, what was last year, 2017? Yeah. So I, I had a, a mental break there for a second, but I thought that the racing was much better over the last two years compared to what it has been. So, um, Agreed. Yeah, how that, that, that tyre change is going to be intriguing to see if it actually encourages overtaking because for a while they were just, um, you know, pretty professional. Well, the points on offer, certainly for the shorter sprint races, I don't know whether that's going to actually add much incentive because the two shorter races are the smallest paying on the calendar with 50 points to the winner. So, and all the... Um, incremental differences between the positions reduced accordingly. So, yeah. There's always some sheep station factor, though, which kind of uh, encourages some some dudes down the back of the, back of the grid. And I guess we kind of saw that with um, Simone and Jim Blanchard at Adelaide, too. Yeah. Oh, gee, yeah. 
<laughs> well, so I mean, the interesting point for me is now that we're racing for points, I mean, having a look through the last couple of years, there's always been massive crashes at the Grand Prix. You know, we had, you know, Taz Douglas turned himself around a couple of years ago onto his side. We had that massive pile-up on the start, the restart start line a couple of years ago when all the Tickford boys went, got the radio call to go and then no one else went. There was a massive, massive pile-up with Ambrose left on the grid. You know, last year with Holdsworth and Percat, um, Dumbrell way back when, Paul Morris way back when. You know, there's always been these massive crashes. Now that we're playing for keeps, whether there'll still be that, uh, that those sort of things or whether everyone will be a little bit more sedate. Well, a couple uh, of... Yeah, I, I don't know. They seem to just... I don't think it's going to change too much in terms of the aggression. They always go out there to win and put on a good show. And, you know, in many ways, it's the biggest audience they'll race in front of um, in terms of, you know, actual people at the event. So there's, there's a lot to play for, you know, particularly now there is point too. So I doubt anyone's going to, um, to soften off. And it's, it's still just a high-speed track as well, the way it's, it's laid out. So mm-hmm. the chances of something happening are probably just as high as ever. So you're saying we'll see more crashes? I said you'll see it's as high as ever. <laughs> the same number of crashes. The same number. Exactly. An equivalent. Okay. Crash parity. <laughs> not technical I mean, parity. Not... Crash point, it's well, it's, you know, I mean, the, the Grand Prix, I, I think it's great. We're finally racing for points. It suddenly means, you know, it finally means something. Larry Perkins trophy. The Larry Perkins trophy. Um, I, it's gonna be, I reckon it's going to be an awesome weekend. Indeed. Yep. <laughs> I like that. Our answers got more concise as they went down the line. So, uh, so what are we ex- what are we expecting from the from the Grand Prix weekend? Are we expecting a Falcon fight back? Are we expecting a Triple Eight win again? Or what are we? What are your thoughts? I reckon we'll know more about just how strong the ZB Commodore will be on on an aerodynamic front. Yep. Like, again, as as Lewis said, high speed circuit. This is where. We'll see what the what the difference the ZB Aero will make, if mm-hmm. any. So at least we'll, we'll have that as a bit more of a form guide of the year ahead. Yep. What are you? Yeah, I think you just got to refer back to the Eastern Creek kind of test times because that's probably the most similar track that they um they race at to the Grand Prix, being it's a, a Grand Prix you know layout. So I, I'd ref, yeah refer back to that, and in that case, I'd expect the holders to to go well again. And, well, the, and the Nissans. Well, they were that, quite was, strong. that was my next point. It was, it was BJR and Nissans who were really up there at the test day. So are we expecting those guys to come to the fore again, or are we expecting the, the, the you know the same guard? Uh, I don't want to spend any time of my life waiting for a Nissan um, <laughs> to perform in supercars. You know that's that's just the way it is. There's a lot of promise and not a lot of delivery. I guess that, that's how you sum up it there. Yep. Their uh, stint in, in, the, in the series. Um, but yeah, it'd be nice if they got back up there. And I think Caruso had a pole there a few years ago, too. Um, yeah, and Scott, you know, should know what to do. They given him one there last year, and he had that great run there as well when he first came in the series in 2013 and did great with the Volvo as well. I think he took a win there in 2014. It was Volvo's first win, even though it was non championship. Yep. So you can't rule those guys out, but I just think. For the holding runners, you, yeah, you just refer back to the test day again and, and see how strong they were then. Well, any final thoughts heading to the Grand Prix? I can't help but think uh, that another high-profile driver will get will 
fall foul of track limits Ooh. over the weekend. Okay. And th- that'll have some level of championship impact. Yep. Lewis? Uh, I think we'll see Shane Van Gisberg and extend his advantage. He's always done really well at the Grand Prix. Um, you know, and he used to always talk about whether teams were testing or not um, at that race weekend. And even if he was doing that, he was always going well. So I think now that there's a lot more to play for, he's uh, the guy to beat. Awesome. Well, SVG leads the championship on 300 points. Reynolds, our mate, second on 42. Courtney was a surprise packet for me on 60. Most at 84. And McLaughlin running out the top five in 93. Boys, thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Lewis. And we will, uh, you'll hear us again to wrap everything up after the Grand Prix.